Welcome to Friday Night Party Line. I'm your host, Victor Frost. This is episode 88 for this uh, February 5th, 2015. Here on the show today, we've got Adam. Hey, Adam. Hey, guys. How you doing? And we've got Jason, who we've uh, we've helped uh, extricate himself from uh, putting his kids to sleep. Hey, Jason. Hello, all my friends. Jason is, of course, from the Atomic Trivia War 9000 podcast, which you should definitely check out if you haven't already. And uh, don't... Incorrect. It sucks. Don't do it. Okay, then. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we, we, we lack a Nelson tonight because the uh, poor guy, he's, he's been stricken with the, uh, the food poisoning, so we send him all our wishes of good health and less barfing. And uh, we've... But we still oh, got your... Oh, no. We still it's got not barfing, <laughs> and uh, we say through the eye of a needle. If you know what I'm talking about? You're probably Australian. <laughs> that 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 uh, that voice you just heard was, of course, Cherba. Hey, Cherbs. Hey, I'm glad Jason decided not to sue us about almost calling our other show acceptable vices, which you should listen to. Uh, slightly nuclear police, <laughs> not commonly known facts. Police action ten thousand. Yes, so, it was tempting. Hey, as long as it's uh, similar but legally distinct, right? Yeah. We uh, I, also on the list was the lounge suck it, Scott. <laughs> I don't think he's going to sue over that. One. No, um, but acceptable vices was the name of the. be losing. <laughs> but uh, acceptable vices was the name we landed on, and so it's stuck. I can say for certain it's stuck because I've purchased the domain name. So. Uh, <laughs> So we've got a couple of topics we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, first things first, um, let's talk about how uh, let's talk about a little bit of terrorism. Uh, recently, if you haven't been keeping up with the news uh, for the past few weeks, there's been this ongoing uh, issue where in a, a couple of where a couple of Japanese citizens and a Jordanian Air Force pilot were taken hostage by ISIS. And, uh, well, long story short, all three of them ended up being killed. Uh, during the process of which uh, the governments of the, t- the, uh, the two respective countries, Jordan and Japan, attempted to negotiate and, you know, work with their fellow countries to try and get these people out of there. But it, it didn't work. All three of the hostages ended up uh, getting killed. And which brings us to a question that has been sort of weighing as the, one of the fundamental keystones of the discussion on the terrorism theater that's been going on in the world for the better part of the last 20 years going on almost, um, which is, should we actually negotiate with terrorists or should we actually ignore them? You know, the United States has taken this long-standing rhetoric of we don't negotiate with terrorists. But in a world where, you know, media is so easily dissem- uh, disseminatable, <laughs> is that really, uh, on the one hand, is that a, a moral is that a moral choice we should make? Is that a moral choice? And on the other hand, is that, a, is that actually a politically viable choice to not negotiate with the, ch- with the terrorists? Well, really, that's a very complex question when you get right down to it, because, well, to be a kind of moral and upstanding country, you do have to give them the option to just forego violence and, you know, give up, your guns down, forget about it, lads, tea and biscuits. But think, you also shouldn't 
acquiesce to demands for things like money, prisoner release, things like that, because that just gives them a reason to do it. Because, you know, if you can do this and achieve the goal, why wouldn't you do it if you're already a group that's going to go around breaking laws and fucking killing people? I'm already sensing a little bit of a strange kind of quandary with your position, though, Cherbs, because you say that you have to allow them to have a chance. And when you allow someone to do something, it means that there's this unspoken nuclear option hanging over their head. Allow them to do it or... Kill them all. Absolutely, okay. without negotiation. I have so absolutely you... no qualms about sending in a team and killing a lot of them. All right, so already we're already past the point where we're saying it's not do we negotiate or do we ignore. You're already jumping to do we negotiate or take military action, which is something entirely different. This is true. Sure. You're not taking a, a non, uh, non-intervention stance. You're not taking a ignore stance. You're taking the stance of do we negotiate or do we do something active. I suppose that's fair, and that's something that I could be a little more granular about. For example, if someone takes a hostage in the middle of ISIS territory, we don't really have the ability to strike militarily there. Well, we do, but we shouldn't probably. That's not a very good idea, considering how little intel we have quite often on these situations. But for something, say... Although, although uh, to bring it up, I do believe Jordan has just done that. Jordan did, from what I was reading, Jordan went a step further. Uh, after the uh, after ISIS proved that they are, in fact, the most evil monsters this side of World War II, by burning a man alive in a cage yeah. and then filming it and showing it to everybody, Jordan just started executing the prisoners that they had from ISIS. And well, they I also they also launched airstrikes and ended up killing fifty five uh, members of ISIS. Apparently, I mean that's. That's excellent, but I think that it also the, the question of do you negotiate with a terrorist is dependent on the terrorist. I mean, you could because any hostage negotiation. I mean, if if there's guys in a bank, you know, in my hypothetical here, uh, and they have hostages in the bank, the police are going to try and negotiate to get the hostages out and maybe give them a little bit and worry about catching them later. But you look at the example of. Um, when the Somali pirates took over the U.S. ship, they were stalled on that little lifeboat for a long period of time, and then they were just all killed right away. As soon as, as, soon as we could get people there, they killed them. So I think that the do we negotiate with terrorists thing is dependent on who has the hostage, like who is the terrorist, because, you know, technically speaking, those bank robbers could be considered terrorists. They're using fear to manipulate you know, fear and violence to manipulate what they, an outcome that they want. And essentially that's sort of what, you know, these groups like ISIS or any extremist terrorist group is doing. They're using fear and violence to get what they want. And we don't negotiate with some of them, but sometimes we do, depending on, you know, what they're after and who they are. It's a good point. We like to take the hard-line notion that we don't negotiate with terrorists, but we already do. Right. I mean, not too long ago, President Obama was heavily criticized for doing a prisoner exchange with North Korea. I mean, that's negotiating with terrorists if you really want to get right down to it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. cool. To be fair, North Korea is also bad crap loco and has never really accomplished <laughs> anything with the rankings now. So, yeah. I mean, we can call them terrorists, but they really haven't done anything other than delay a terrible movie from coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there are, if you wanted uh, to there are occasions. Oh, sorry, Victor. Oh no, go ahead. There are occasions where actual, like, open terrorist groups have 
done things like rob banks and so on. For example, if I'm remembering correctly, the Bar Mindor, uh, I can't do German, the Red Army faction, is, they used to rob banks quite often back in the 70s and 80s, I think it was. And they would quite often take hostages, make demands, things like that. And they were negotiated with at that time, though I think if they tried to do it somewhere else, they might not have had such a good time of it. But uh, it is something that does, or did, happen here and there, was terrorists committing acts which are more traditionally thought of as the domain of more regular criminals, bank robberies, things like that. I think that's something we have to watch, too, because we know that groups like you know, the extremist uh, the extremist Muslim groups are using more traditional crime in order to fund themselves. Like I remember when we went to Afghanistan, there was a lot of talk about attacking poppy fields and trying to get a get a, a hand around the heroin trade and that sort of thing. I mean, I'm not sure how accurate that was and how much it really affected, you know, uh, the terrorist groups at the time. But again, it comes down to: Are you going to negotiate with somebody who you have a chance of getting someone back? you know, getting back, or, I mean, you have, ISIS seems to be killing people regardless of whether or not anybody wants to negotiate for them. Like, they seem to just be doing whatever they want, you know, and, and there is no negotiation at all. I mean, with them, I would say, why bother? You know, you have a group that's going to lie, cheat, steal, and kill no matter what you do. The only option is to go in and try and get the people out if you're going to try and save anybody at all, and you can't just ignore it. Well, on the other you end up with, you know... Well, on, on, the, on the other side of, you know, saying, well, you know, just why bother negotiating with a group like that? You have the obvious political problem. I mean, you know, you're say you're say you're Shinzo Abe in in Japan and, you know, there's two Japanese citizens in there. You don't want to you know, they're pro- you're probably not going to get them back. But at the same time, you can't, you know, you can't say, up, oh, you know, we're not just we're just not going to do anything. Because then all hell will break loose. You know, you don't care about your citizens. You know, crap like that. Because ostensibly, we all want we ostensibly we want all of our citizens back. But realistically, it could be you know damn near impossible to actually get them back. Didn't the entire argument boils down to pragmatism versus ethics? And I think what we're really coming into this is. Cherba, I know that right before the show you said, you know, you can't let the terrorists get what they want because then that only fuels their passion to keep on doing it. It reinforces the idea that they know that they can go out and do it again and again and again, and they'll have some opportunity to to get what they want. That's fine. I can see from a pragmatist standpoint where you say, you know, you don't want to have that slippery slope where you go down and you empower these groups to continue carrying out acts of terror. That's fine. But it seems to me that from an ethical standpoint, you can't let ideology be more important than human lives. And if we're going to take a hard line against things like the death penalty, uh, uh, you know, uh, wards of retaliation, uh, that sort of thing, then we can't exactly take a hard line either against trying to save 10, 12 people who are being held as enemy combatants by another, uh, another power. You have to do whatever you can to try to protect their lives. Uh, we we also had um I mean the US did a negotiation recently in last year I think uh, in June for a uh, Bo Brigdal he was a prisoner that I think we traded we traded someone for we traded some people out of uh 
Oh God! Out of what's the name of the Guantanamo Bay? Mm-hmm. I think they traded someone for Bro, for this guy Bill Brigdahl to bring him back, and that was like a big deal in the news back then. So like we kind of did negotiate. It's it's kind of it's again it's tricky because it, it depends on the group that's got the person and you know I can I don't know it's it's just a, it's it's more complicated than I think about it. It's really tempting to take the hard line of oh someone's taking a hostage. Well, f them. We're going to hold out until they either kill the guy or we can get you know, kill them and get them back. Well, I think that but, that's where the entire thing falls down, because it's nice to say, it sounds good to say, and it feels good to say, no, we will never negotiate with terrorists. But in a journalist's mind, there are certain red flag words that you always just really make your, your skin crawl. Never, cannot, will not ever, you know, these absolute terms, we will not do these things. Um, that's always a bad idea. Um, you never want, to, and there I go saying it myself, whoops. <laughs> um, you always want to leave wiggle room for the exceptional situation because you never know when you're going to need to have extra space to move around to accomplish a bigger goal than just what's in the short term. Yeah. And you don't want to let ideology dictate what you can do in the short term, especially when compassion is involved. If you can save somebody's life, is it really that important to be seen as America the Invincible? I think that you can be seen as America the Compassionate sometimes for a real measurable gain. We could also be seen as America the, the, the complete dick by, you know, we trade make that trade, then have a drone follow the, you know, follow the people who you know, <laughs> give them up and then, you know, promptly bomb them as soon as everybody's out of harm's way. Right. And now that, that's that something that's that actually because once you're out of the situation where the hostages are held, that further action unless they've taken some sort of violent action in turn that would justify it, that is simply petty revenge. Petty revenge is always off the agenda. Well, well, here's the thing. Here's, here's, here, here's where there's some, like, at least a little bit of historical, you know, action that you, a historical you know, knowledge you can look at to talk about that. Because, I mean, if you look back at, I mean, and I hate to say that this is a good example, but if you look at some of the dictators of the past... Dictators that, like, for example, um, the sh- take for example the the Shah of Iran, uh, back you know way back when, um, he would take you know he would have there would be actions that he would want done and there would be absolute consequences because of it. For example, my dad would tell me this story all the time that the Shah wanted to have this major uh, bridge built and that you know he would say tell the engineers you know do your best and you know. And, Finally, the day came to build it, and he said, okay, well, here we're going to run a semi-truck over that, and oh, yeah, all of your family is underneath the bridge. So there are actions that we can... I mean, obviously, we want to get people back, but at the same time, we have to, there must be something that we can do to further discourage hostage-taking. But it There's can't be an absolute... Uh, it can't be a zero-tolerance policy. I've heard you guys talk before about other things, and I've been on the show before we've talked about other things such as drug policy, right. where it's become absolutely clear that zero tolerance is ineffective. Zero tolerance is such an extreme that leads to injustice that you just can't do that. And I think it's the same thing here. Zero tolerance when it comes to negotiation with terrorists, you have to have some, you have to have some room to work. There's something else that makes it tricky as well in that while all of them are situations where someone's holding a hostage, there's, well, kind of different ways to be a hostage. I mean, say you've got uh, a group like ISIS has taken a fighter pilot hostage. 
uh, a group of, say, IRA chaps have taken a bus hostage, and they're on the scene right there in the middle of, I don't know, Belfast. And say you've got uh, political prisoners of some sort that are being held hostage by a group. All these are quite different situations where it may be reasonable in one case to go in and rescue them, as we saw the Mossad do. Uh, Oh, God, I can't remember the name of it. But it was quite some time ago there was a bunch of hostages being held in a stadium, and Mossad and I think the CIA tried to go in and actually rescue these people. Was that the Olympics? No. No, that no, no, no. The Olympics was different. Uh, in the Olympics, the all of the hostages were killed, and then the Mossad spent the next decade systematically killing every single person who was involved. Yeah, Mossad are kind of fucked. <laughs> <laughs> These things are all different because you can't exactly do, say, a prisoner exchange with the chaps on the bus. However, it would be far more viable to send in a team. Whereas in the case of, say, holding your soldiers hostage, it may be more viable to do a prisoner exchange. Every situation is a little bit different, even though they're all hostage situations. Some may warrant negotiation, some may not. Which does make a broad discussion rather difficult without uh, some sort of terms. Mm. I guess it comes down to risk assessment. Depends what's on the line and what stands to be lost by negotiation. Hmm. Well, also there's, I mean, this... I was just looking up some other hostage situations, and I just this one came to mind because I remember hearing about it when I grew up. Was the uh, Iran hostage crisis mm. in uh, 1979, um, and that was something where they were at an impasse for over a year trying to get hostages out of you know out of Iran, and I believe that there was some attempts at negotiating. Let's see, uh, let's see. It doesn't look like it. Carter rejected all their demands, but I mean, let's see. That's one way to negotiate, I guess. (laughs) It ended poorly from the looks of things. Yeah. Oh, it did. Also, that's uh, the one I was thinking of. Mossad, I may not have been involved. I'm getting my situations mixed up. Uh, this is, let's see, in February of 1980, the Iranian government issued a set of demands in return for freeing the hostages. They demanded the return of the former Shah to Iran and certain diplomatic gestures, including an apology for prior American actions in Iran and a promise not to interfere in the future, which, honestly, doesn't sound like that bad of a deal. Um, rejecting Iranian demands, Carter approved an ill-conceived secret rescue mission, Operation Eagle Claw, on the <laughs> night of April 24th, 25th, 1980. And as the first part of the operation, a number of C-130 transport airplanes rendezvoused with, rendezvoused with nine RH-53 helicopters and airstrip in the Great Salt Desert of eastern Iran near Tabas, which I'm probably mispronouncing. Uh, two helicopters broke down in a sandstorm, and a third one was damaged on landing. The mission was aborted, but the craft took off again. But the, as the aircraft took off again, one helicopter clipped in AC-130 and crashed, killing eight U.S. servicemen and injuring four. The dead bodies of some of the soldiers were paraded through the streets of Tehran during massive street protests, all in front of television cameras broadcasting worldwide. Yeah, that didn't go so well. Okay, so basically we screwed that one up all on our own. (laughs) Yep, there was a second rescue attempt. Uh, Three aircraft were modified under Rush super-secret program known as Credible Sport. Oh, yes, Credible Sport. During the demonstration at Duke Field, Florida, uh, uh, the landing was far too soon, causing a hard touchdown that tore off the starboard wing and started to fire. Wow. Uh, let's see. Well, have you ever heard of a, uh, have you ever heard of a J, uh, yeah, a JTOL rocket? Yeah. yeah. It's basically a giant solid fuel, I think, rocket. And basically what they did was attached a bunch of 
rockets very similar to these to an AC-130, <laughs> except they fired them so that it uh, fired them backwards and stopped the plane, so, it, without, <laughs> yeah, so that it would have been able to land inside of a sporting stadium and then pack everyone on and fuck off again. <laughs> but don't we already didn't didn't we already have like VTOL uh, vehicles back then? Like I don't know. We don't know. Oh. It looks like well, it was in any case, screwed up. Well, <laughs> in any case, we I think we've come to the to the rat to the uh, conclusion that uh, neither a hardline stance against negotiating with terrorists nor a hardline stance of always negotiating with terrorists is sufficient. It has to be some sort of mix in between and entirely situational, you know, depending on the circumstances. Um, moving along, uh, we found... Before we do, very briefly, it must be said, the Red Army faction must have taken hostage an excellent logo designer at some point, because that is a hell of a logo. <laughs> <laughs> Just oh, Red Star, MP5, RAF in big block text. <laughs> nice. Oh, come on. That looks, like a, that looks like a middle schooler did it for his, like, clan tag on freaking Xbox or something. <laughs> Says the art teacher. Yeah, <laughs> my word is law. Uh, so do they um, call you? Do they call you judge, teacher, or just Mister? <laughs> Master. <laughs> he didn't go to four years of judge school to be called Mister Dread. <laughs> <laughs> did, did Judge Dread pass the bar? That's a good question. <laughs> He is the bar. So this week, and I wrote this topic before the uh, the announcement came in. So I'd like to consider myself ra- a bit uh, prophetic at this. But the um, the FCC uh, was said to be we're getting ready to set up some state laws against um, to uh, set uh, set up some laws to fight state laws that are against municipal broadband. You know, those pesky laws that, you know, got put into the books whenever a local carrier got, you know, really worried that some little town is th- is getting big ideas about starting broadband. Um, and, in fact, after I wrote that, we got a wonderful little bit of news coming out that the FCC chairman is uh is going to be pushing to make all internet uh carriers title 2. It's awesome. It's beautiful. Okay, for non-Americans and Americans who may not know what that is, what exactly does that entitle the internet to under law? Okay, so it's the- a utility just like the phone line. Yep. Which means so that So basically they can't do what Enron did with gas like 15 years ago. Yep. It means that you can't discriminate against different carriers or different customers by saying, in order to make the most profit that we want, we'll give certain people who are willing to pay a premium or certain providers that are willing to pay a premium better access to distribution rights. Everybody has to have the same access to the distribution system. AT&T, just to use an example off the top of my head, I'm not accusing them of anything, but AT&T can't say, now, uh, if this goes through, Netflix, you have to pay us an extra $15 million a year or we're going to throttle you back to, uh, to, to, to effectively 1G speeds. However, Comcast has, ax- has absolutely done that, so we can say that companies like Comcast can no longer do that. <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion that Time Warner has been up to some shenanigans, too, with their, uh, uh, their I speed. I wouldn't doubt it. 
because, just because of my, my own personal experience. I'm calling you out, Time Warner. I'm not happy with you guys because, uh. you know, they definitely watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> watch the show? You could say Time Warner carries this show. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, just to start off with an apocryphal story, you opened, Vic, by saying about how a small town, for instance, might have some laws on the books about how, um, you know, different carriers can't have competitive lines or anti-competitive practices are enshrined in local law. Um, It kind of wrung my memory because just a few months ago, there was a story that was widely circulated through social media circles that that exact thing happened in a little town called, actually, I don't remember what it was called. It was in Kansas. (laughs) Yeah. No, uh, and in Florida and in lots of other places where you know, you know townships have decided to deploy their own municipal you know broadband services. In fact, ah, some, yeah, that's what that little place in Kansas did. It rolled out this idea: Hey, we're going to have a public gigabit system, a publicly funded, publicly maintained gigabit in- internet system. And AT and T's ears perked up and said, "But we already offer a four meg system. This is anti-competitive." It wasn't Google Kansas, was it? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> or as you I, I, regular humans know it, Topeka. Yeah. <laughs> I really well, it want, was um... like Google's dark fiber to come into play here that they <laughs> oh. that they were rumored to be buying up years ago. I just want yeah. them to be like, oh, by the way, we're offering an internet service that's faster than anybody because you know we don't care about trying to make money off of bilking people out of you know internet internet gigabit speeds. That would that oh, would double really... no end. I really want to see reprints of Stephen King's The Dark Tower with every instance of Topeka replaced with Google. (laughs) (laughs) But there's this strange insistency in this whole net neutrality debate to think that it's this uh, it's this weird predictive future thing that could happen if we don't act now. That no. companies could become restrictive. That companies could try to crack down on the consumer and Except eventually this some this dystopian vision of what could happen. But yeah, it's it's already well established. The it's dystopian vision it's, is already now. <laughs> I mean, it could get worse potentially, and that's why it needs to be enshrined as, right. as uh, Title Two. Yeah, it could get it could get so bad that it could turn into like. Australia or something. Well, here's the vision that I'm scared of. If nothing is that done. was that was low hanging fruit, Adam. Sure, sure, something me off, but we all know that broadband <laughs> services are really shady with the mm. whole speed tiering thing. Yeah, no, actually, it's kind of true. Like your mid tier American internet package, or I think maybe uh, I have a pretty skewed view because practically everyone I know A works in tech and B lives in California. So <laughs> I don't know about thirty megabits or so. How how would that rank for you guys? That's actually fairly good where I am. You're talking about thirty Thir- down. Yeah, thirty down. About oh, I'll call it one, maybe two on a good day up. Yeah, that's um... regular consumer grade with Time Warner in my experience. Yeah, because that is like super premium service here. I am paying more than one hundred and fifty dollars a month for that through Telstra. Oh. Sucks, dicks, and not in the good That's way. Terrible. Yeah, I mean my service. I've got the I've got the premium Time Warner package, so I've got a uh, hundred megabits down, which translates to twelve and a half megabytes. But though, as I mentioned before the show. Yeah, maximum. As I mentioned before the show, I'm doing my part. I did ask the communications minister, Malcolm Turnbull, at a press conference if his demonstration of his broadband plan would include two cups and a piece of string. 
<laughs> right now, I've seen them. I don't work in politics anymore. Yep. Uh, I I just I think, think Adam it's froze, by the way. <laughs> uh, Adam? Yeah, I think he may have. You know, we lost him. Yeah. Uh... I stopped it. Am I back? Yeah, you're back. Did I? Yes, I you're back. Okay. Hi, Adam. Yeah, I was about, I was just doing a quick speed test, so that's why that happened. Why would you do that? <laughs> I was curious. I, it, it said you, it was an eleven down. So, are you sure that Time Warner wasn't sniffing your packets and smelled a little something rotten coming off this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Did I badmouth us on our own network? By the oh, way, I'm there was uh, this week. <laughs> <laughs> there was actually a controversy at some point. I can't remember exactly when. Where uh, some providers were actually accused of meddling with results because they'd find packets that were going to speedtest.net and then they would basically just say, okay, you can have as much bandwidth as you want and then throttle off everything else. Oh, yeah. Oh. I, wouldn't, I would not doubt that at all. Because, yeah. I mean, the only, the only time I get speeds that are even close to what speedtest says I'm, I'm quote-unquote getting is when Steam is downloading a game and it's getting like 10 megabytes oh, that's per second. That's because Steam and also Origin, interestingly enough, have servers like basically everywhere. I yeah. think they've got two or three, maybe four in LA alone. Yeah. Like I even I get respectable speeds off Steam. So and that's something. That is just uh I'm so glad this is happening. So, so, so glad. Me too. Oh yes. Yeah. I I just think it's a, it's good that we finally have something in writing that says that they can't basically operate or, as however they want and as much as I've heard oh the invisible hand of the market whatever every time the the invisible hand of the market <laughs> is allowed to do anything it always screws consumers every single time all the invisible all the invisible okay. hand of the market likes to do is shove a big old dildo up your ass that's all it tries to do <laughs> yeah the invisible hand of the market basically is just spending the whole time invisibly cupping the gently cupping the testicles of the people who have the most money so think of that. Yep. Think of a hand gently cutting some old, hairy, gnarly testicles. The can next we time not? You want to say the can hand can we not, Sherba? Can we? Can we not? <laughs> no, because every person I know who says the invisible hand of the free market is incredibly fucking annoying. <laughs> <laughs> the invisible hand is an interesting one because it, it really does work. It just doesn't necessarily work for you or for the masses. The invisible hand is. I recently compared it to evolution. Because evolution is widely misunderstood as always benefiting, as always having positive mutations. Nope. That's not how it works. Evolution has a lot of corpses on the way to finding a mutation that might be beneficial. Because there's for everything that is beneficial, every mutation that works out in the favor of the organism, there's tons and tons and tons of other ones that are just bitch-slapped down. And that's the thing that's hard to understand. When you start talking about complex systems like the invisible hand, sure, it will benefit some businesses ultimately by having a market mutation that works. But for every one of those, there's thousands of small businesses, thousands of jobs, thousands of innovations that are squashed, stomped on, destroyed. Yep. Yep. There's also, uh, you know, the... Speaking of... Again, the Enron problem where they intentionally screwed with the prices so they could make more money for no other reason than to just make more money. Yeah. Because they could. Although speaking Same of things the, happening uh, right now, and you can see it whenever you're driving your car around. You're driving your car around, you're looking around, you see a garage. It's got a sign up with the petrol prices on it, or gas prices if you're American and don't know the phases of matter. <laughs> 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 well, see, 
you're driving along, you see, you probably thought recently, oh yeah, these prices have gone down a fair bit recently, that's a good thing. That is almost entirely because there is currently a price war going on between a number of large entities who control the gas prices. This isn't a conspiracy, by the way, even though it sounds like one. This is a real thing that happens. I love the fact that like I love the fact that my gas prices have gotten cheaper because the Saudis are trying to screw Russia. Like that's that makes me giggle every time I think about it. I grin every time I fill up my tank for less than a hundred dollars. Oh my god! And we say that there should never be any negotiations with terrorists. Look right there, Saudi and Russia negotiating it works. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's less negotiating than one of them beating the other over the head with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you could call that very enthusiastic negotiation. They are simply leveraging a position of power to great effect. Great effect uh, on my wallet. <laughs> I'm just, down with it. Yeah. Just one last uh, short yeah. topic before we uh, before we call the show to a close. Um, if you are someone like me who likes to make uh, neat little electronic things or has a general interest in electronics and things like that, um, you may have already found out or you may be sad to find out that Radio Shack is filing for bankruptcy again, I, want. I think. Um, but it's been sort of bailed out by Sprint, saying that uh, Sprint is apparently going to be operating a store within Radio Shack stores. Um, and this is according to Sprint's uh, re- press release on the matter, uh, occupying approximately one-third of the retail space of each location, as if Radio Shack wasn't already a miniature Best Buy, <laughs> adding more, more Best buy to it. Honestly, we I... had kind of the same thing happen. Yeah, I mean, that I sucks. hope Radio Shack doesn't go away, go away, because, I mean, Amazon is great if you, you know, you're okay waiting a day or two for a part to come in. But if you need a, you know, if you need a transistor right now, you can go to Radio Shack and get one. Or if you need like a bunch of buttons, you can just go and get them. The prices aren't bad, and I'm really sad that it's uh, that they're having so much problems. But you know, as invisible as hand of the market. <laughs> as a journalist in my day job, who has been hearing for the past twenty years that newspapers <laughs> are dead. I am just yucking it up over this one because here it is. There's another industry that everyone said there's no ceiling on electronics. Radio Shack's screwing it all up. It's funny to see somebody like that tank it while newspapers are still alive. Not thriving, but still alive. (laughs) Jason, that sounds pretty damn mean-spirited, I'll be honest. (laughs) Well, I've been in uh, in Radio Shacks, and I haven't been exactly wowed by them. As a matter of fact, they tend to piss me off. You go in there for something that should be $5, and it's $30. You go in there for something that should be truth in advertising, and it turns out that they tell you that monster cables are great. Wait a minute, wait a minute. And you go to yeah. Radio Shack for, like, for anything except electronics parts? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you, you go in there, and uh, you need, like, a cable splitter, something that should be $3. And it is $3 at Walmart. But you go in there, and it's $15 at Radio Shack, and the guy behind the counter tells you that you need five things that you don't need. I just think that it's long overdue for Radio Shack to go out of business. I've had nothing oh. but negative encounters with them. I've had nothing. I have. I have had a similar similar experience where I've gone into Radio Shack looking for something that should be simple and cheap, and ended up spending more money than I'd like to just because I needed it right then, and then having the thing promptly break. 
and then not even being so angry. I, I'm not even, like, I didn't even bother going back. Uh, I was so furious. I said, I, I, why bother? I'm surprised it's, that they're still open, to be honest. I mean, it's been a long time that, that I thought that they were closed. And let's face it, Jason still has a job. Somehow, God willing, I still have a job. So, newspapers still alive. Suck it, Radio Shack. That's right. <laughs> I don't know how uh. I still have a job. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you're all terrible. Just, just yes. terrible. Oh. I, I know this. I know you guys one... are. I know you guys are only terrible just because you're shitting on my nostalgia for Radio Shack. <laughs> but you're terrible. <laughs> oh, it gets even better. Our local equivalent, who previous, who has previously gone the way that Radio Shack is going now, more towards becoming a Best Buy sort of outlet. We still haven't lost one of the best things about them, which is the quality of their ads, because they were named Dick Smith's, or previously Dick Smith's Electronics, with Dick Brilliant. Smith's for sure. And they used to have ad campaigns like, there's a little bit of ellipses, Smith's in all of us. Wow. Wow. <laughs> huh. It's a shame that we cannot, uh, cannot participate in that kind of... Uh... Wonderful advertising here in the States. Basically, they've just had 40 years of dick jokes as their advertisements, and it's worked brilliantly for them because they still exist. Sorry, Radio Shack. <laughs> well, on the upshot, I mean, even if, if Radio Shack... Dick Shack. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be a perfect name for them. I need to go to Dick Shack. What are you buying? Oh, just some electronics, you know. Yeah. On the upshot, even if Radio Shack does go out of business, there's, you know... At least around me, there's stores like All Electronics that are just that they're, they're just that one chunk of the Radio Shack that's just electronics components. So it's not so bad. Actually, I really wish that you could have J Car over there because J Car is kind of like the reverse of what's happening there. J Car is sort of like if you took the electronics part of Radio Shack and then attached a small portion off to the side of, like, you know, some TVs and consumer electronics and, you know, little radio control things. It's a J-A-Y-C-A-R, right? Yes, J-Car. Evidently, we do oh, have... Evidently, we do have J-Car. What? <laughs> There's a, there well, was a little... in that case, Americans go to J-Car. <laughs> they're better and they're cheaper. I'm trying to find out where, if anywhere, there are stores. Uh, let's see. Probably, it's probably one in Google, Kansas. <laughs> I still can't go that. <laughs> uh, let's see, postcode. Dun, 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 dun. Hey. I would feel so dumb writing fucking Google. There Kansas are no, no, no there, I'm sorry. There. There's just a website that caters, there's just a part of their website that caters to Americans because the prices are in USD <laughs> and they have a 1 800 phone number, but there are no stores here. Oh. Yeah. Well, eh. order from them anyway. Maybe they'll open one or two. Or <laughs> Maybe. All right. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have today. Uh, so uh, thank you to Adam and Jason. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to plug before we uh, sign off? Hmm. Any plugs? Uh, I know that the uh, there's a Star Wars Humble, Humble Bundle that was just uh, just went up uh, for oh, sale yeah. this week. I picked that up. That was worth that was worth the twelve bucks for every decent Star Wars game that's come out. So check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I'll go ahead and throw another podcast plug in there. Atomic Trivia War 9000. We do quizzes, geek quizzes, 
Uh, Victor, you've been on the show. Cherbs, you've been on the show. Yep. Adam? No, I have not yet been on the show. You need to be on the show. Cherbs, you've I, been on the show twice. I keep thinking that I'm going to be terrible at it. Like I look at, the, I look at it and I'm like, that's a lot of trivia. I'm not good at trivia. I figure I'm just going to fail. I was, I was absolutely <laughs> terrible when I was on it. Because I keep harassing all of you over IMs whenever I'm awake and the show's on. <laughs> but I've not been on the show. <laughs> no, I'm sure that I'll prove it to you after we're off the air. But in the meantime, <laughs> you can go to SoundCloud and get our show or iTunes and get the show. It's fun. It's not the greatest, I'll be honest, but at least <laughs> it's fun to do. That's what I like. Truth and advertising. <laughs> and you can also go to www.simplysyndicated.com slash shows slash ATW9K. So, you can, you if there. you want to sign up for a new domain on GoDaddy, you can do that for just whoa, 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 whoa. None of that American. business here. <laughs> None of that business 69. here, Jason. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I know he did. <laughs> well, I didn't know that you guys were whore. syndicated. I, don't they do, uh, like, movies you should see and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. they do. And many Masters other fabulous God. shows, such as Masters of None. Oh, God, here we go. Third <laughs> Hurdles, the greatest show in the galaxy. Text I hope you're prepared to start show. writing me a check, Jason, because if you're adverti- if we're doing What's that good? kind of advertising on this show, there's got to be something coming. <laughs> Open invitation. Richard you- Smith, you are welcome on both this show and Acceptable Vices. Yes, Anytime. indeed. Anytime. Indeed, indeed. Come and talk to us. Yeah. You don't know where to find us. We're on Google somewhere, probably. <laughs> Just, like, find us on Facebook and message us. We'll respond. <laughs> uh, all right, then. Uh, so um, that's it for this week's Friday Night Party Line. Join us again next week for Acceptable Vices, where we will, um, I don't know, we're, we'll, we'll do something. It's a surprise. We have no idea what we're going to be doing. It'll be a surprise to everybody. <laughs> uh, we'll figure out something, but... Um, until next okay, week. We're good at this. Yeah, we'll, we'll get. We'll, at some point, we'll get good at figuring out what we're going to do with acceptable vices before, like, we have to start thinking about it. Uh, so, on that note, the, we have. Thank you to Adam, Jason, and uh, Chirba, and this has been Friday Night Party Line. We'll catch you all next week. Bye bye. And no thank you to wherever the hell Nelson ordered food for the last Acceptable Vices show. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 was this even on last Acceptable Vices? No, no. No, it was me and Sherba and, uh, and, uh, oh, God. Derek. Derek. I think I'll, I will, here's what, here's what I normally do when we have, like, random trailing off bits like this. I, I, I bring up the theme. And then I fade down, then I fade under the theme. And this just goes... You, I mean, audience, you're hearing part of the theme right now, actually. So, you know. Unless they, you're the audience right now. Is there an audience right now? We have <laughs> one viewer. It's probably it's probably Prad. Probably. <laughs> when will then be now? Then, then is now. Right now. Listening. <laughs>